Welcome, friends and neighbors, to this Halloween-themed episode of Gil Reads Comics. Today, Gil will be reading and reacting to the first issue of DC Vertigo's relaunch of Lucifer. Welcome to Gil Reads Comics. As our spooky friend told us, today I'll be talking about Lucifer, issue number one. For those of you that are unaware, Vertigo, that's DC's more mature line of comics, recently decided to relaunch several titles that connect back to Neil Gaiman's original run on Sandman. This is all being done to celebrate the 30-year anniversary of Sandman and the 25th anniversary of Vertigo. So how is Lucifer doing these days? Apparently, not that well. Traditionally, Lucifer has looked like David Bowie in his prime. But now, for the first time ever, he's aging. And he sort of looks like an old man, kind of decrepit, blind. He literally doesn't have eyeballs. He's trapped in a small town in an unknown location, being held there by mysterious forces. He also seems to sort of be losing his mind. Early on in the issue, we see him having breakfast, eating a bowl of oatmeal. And there's a woman there trying to get him to eat, similar to what you'd see at an old folks home. The scene is labeled as taking place elsewhere. While Lucifer is eating his breakfast, he suddenly raises his spoon and triumphantly says, I am he, the Dark Lord Lucifer. Then the woman says, eat your breakfast. Then he goes on. I am the morning star, the light bringer, the first of the damned. And then she says to him, it's got a bit of salt in it. How you like it? He continues. I am he who led the first war, the greatest war, of which all other wars are mere shades and reflections. This goes on and on. Everything he's saying is actually true, but he sounds like a raving lunatic. And fun fact, the war he's referring to, the First War, refers to his original rebellion against heaven, which actually took place three seconds after creation. Now, when you first open up this issue of Lucifer, besides seeing that Lucifer has gone a little bit crazy, one of the first things you notice is the artwork. It's drawn with a sort of jagged style, and it almost feels like the colors are struggling to stay inside the lines, which creates an unsettled, uncomfortable feeling, which is sort of appropriate when you're talking about Satan himself. And as I read the issue, there were really three things that stuck out to me. First was the complexity. Second was the absolute darkness and a couple of things that kind of offset that and make it more palatable. And third is how intrigued I am to see where this story goes from both a plot and thematic standpoint. So first, the complexity. There are three parallel stories that are being told in this one issue. You have Lucifer in the past, when he still looks like David Bowie. You have Lucifer in present times, 
where he looks like an old man, less thin white Duke era David Bowie, and more black star David Bowie. And third, you have a human story about a detective named John Decker. Not only that, but the story of Lucifer in current times feels sort of impenetrable. It's hard to understand exactly what's going on, and it feels like a lot of it might be sort of symbolic and allegorical. But it's just understandable enough that you have enough to latch onto that you're intrigued to see what happens next. And if the Lucifer storyline is too complex, it's balanced out by the more human tale of John Decker, which is complicated in its own right, but a little bit more straightforward in terms of the actual plot. As I mentioned earlier, the stories in this book are also extremely dark, but that's offset by a couple of things. Number one, the story is told in a pretty beautiful way. And number two, there's some humor that both work together to make that darkness a bit more palatable. What do I mean when I say that the writing is beautiful? I'll give you an example. The story of John Decker, the detective, is that his wife is dying from a brain tumor and he is waiting for his guardian papers to come through so he can pull the plug on her. Dark as hell, but he decides to take her on one last drive, the way they used to go on these long drives together. And then she looks up at him while he's placing her in the car and says, when we were kids, just married, we used to drive down the highway. We'd go south, out of LA. You drive so fast away from work and stress and everything that wasn't you and me. Those were the only times I ever saw you break the law, ever at all. You pushed through the speed limit as though the devil was at our back. But we were laughing and the sun was shining. That's all great, right? But then the narration takes over and says, And for a moment, a smile lights up her face. Her smile. The one she'd had back then. And in a flicker, it's gone. I thought that dialogue was great. In the sense that it delivered some information about the relationship between John Decker and his wife. It hit us with an emotional wallop, and it felt natural, like something she would actually say. The way that this is written so well makes that darkness a bit more palatable. I mentioned also that the darkness is offset by some humor, albeit dark humor, but here's an example. At one point in this mysterious small town, a couple of witches approach Lucifer, and they tell him, Hey, we gouged out our own eyes so we can be like you. Why don't you join our coven? And then he essentially responds by saying, Well, that was pretty stupid because I can grow these suckers back whenever I want. And then he very graphically grows his eyes back. That's just one example of the kind of dark humor that you'll find in this issue. Another one is that Lucifer makes mention of having this feeling that there are secrets buried beneath this town. 
You take it as kind of a metaphor, but then you realize he means it literally. Because later in the issue, you see him holding up a shovel saying, Good news! I am going digging! Today, I shall free us all from this place altogether! So there were a few moments throughout this issue where I actually laughed out loud, even though everything we're seeing is pitch dark. The bottom line is that I can't wait to see what happens next in this series. The writer, Dan Waters, seems to be wrestling with a pretty complicated idea. What does it mean to try and move forward in the face of almost certain doom? That manifests itself in a couple of ways. In Lucifer's story, we see him attempt to rebel. And then his eyes get ripped out once again, and he ends up back at the beginning. And you get the feeling that he's been trapped in this endless cycle of trying to escape from this town, but then getting pulled back in. Similarly, we see the detective John Decker trying to follow the mystery of the last words his wife said before she died. Right now, he exists in absolute misery and darkness, but both him and Lucifer are trying to move forward. So in that space, what other questions is Dan going to ask? And does he have some kind of statement he wants to make on the futility of struggling against doom and almost certain failure? From a plot standpoint, there's a lot of mystery here to be intrigued by. What mysterious forces are holding Lucifer in that town and why? What will John Decker find at the Gates house? That's where his wife's cousin is being held, and she spoke about that before she died. A lot of good questions. Like I said, I can't wait to see the answers. And in the spirit of Halloween, I want to shout out what I thought was the creepiest panel of Lucifer, issue one. You'll find it on page 17. Lucifer is lying on the ground after having just crawled his way out of a bucket that he was sort of supernaturally crushed into, but that's unimportant. He crawls out of the bucket, he's lying on the ground, and he looks over at that shovel and says, You, I remember you. Carved from wood, harvested from Hell's own suicide forest. And then the shovel says, Hurting, hurting. The implication being that this shovel represents some poor soul, literally, that is either trapped in or is now taking on the form of a shovel as punishment for committing suicide. It sort of reminds me of a character from Twin Peaks who was trapped, or whose soul was trapped inside of a doorknob. Though I guess being trapped in a shovel is worse because you're repeatedly banged into the ground, which apparently hurts. Well, that's pretty much everything I have to say about this issue of Lucifer. It's a very dense story, so I didn't cover everything, but those were the key takeaways that I walked away with. So, until next time, I'm Gil, and I read comics. Thank you for joining us on tonight's episode of Gil Reads Comics. And I hope you all have a happy Halloween. But remember, don't sin too much 
or you may find yourself carved out of a tree and turned into a shovel wielded by Lucifer the Morning Star himself.